Here we go. Part two of Gamble's Green Room, episode 23 with Kevin Stay starts now. Awesome. Okay, so you booked seven jobs in one day <laughs> on your answering machine, and then you're uh, you're working for two months before you book Madonna, uh, and then you're associate choreographer for her before the other Kevin gets kicked out, and then you become the dancer mm-hmm. with Jose and mm-hmm. Luis on stage. And yeah. Yeah. so you're also this is the, so just so you guys remember, this is the Blonde Ambition Tour in 1990. So he's also part of this historical epic MTV Video Awards performance of Vogue. <laughs> what was OK? So there's a, if y'all don't know this, y'all need to look it up. And if you don't if you don't know what this is, you live under a rock. Look it up. Madonna, MTV Vogue, MTV Music Awards Vogue. So what was that rehearsal process? Like, what was, because that shit was fire. Like, that's, like, you hear me, I'm stuttering. I can't even pick my words. Like, I can't stop, like, <laughs> mumbling right now. Because <laughs> that was in the middle um, of the well, tour, I mean, was it? Was that in the No, that was at the very end. It was okay. after the tour had already finished. We'd already finished in, in Europe, in Nice, with the HBO special. Mm-hmm. And then we came back to the U.S. We had, like, a month off. And then we did the, the uh, MTV Awards. It was actually one of the easiest... One of the easiest sort of, well, not the easiest, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Starsky, Starsky, and, Starsky and Hutch was probably the easiest. I think we came in for five minutes, learned the, the bus stop and left. But, <laughs> uh, but Madonna, this one, it was actually really calm and chill. I think maybe because we knew each other so well, we kind of already knew, you know, the basic Vogue choreo. And it was just kind of adding on to it. Mm-hmm. And we had lots of time. Like it was back in the day when you actually had time to rehearse. So there was, it wasn't a lot of pressure. I think the only difficult bit of that number was really Madonna, Nikki, and, and the, the Donna because flip. they had the fans and they yes. were so stressed about it. <laughs> <laughs> For us, it was a halftime because we were like walking around looking cute and like, you know, <laughs> with mirrors and posing. Like that's really, it was pretty simple for us. We had a pre, like a, even like a pre-test thing. So it wasn't like we were thrown into costumes that we weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. We actually had a fitting. We had it. We went over to our house and she, she had like a hair and makeup test on us and hers just to kind of get a sense of what it would look like. So it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't haphazard. It was very planned. Okay. So little, little background question. How many times were the fans dropped before the performance? Oh, <laughs> I feel like they. I feel like they were even dropped like the night of. <laughs> I think that's why maybe, maybe they were even more nervous. Um, they were pretty. They were pretty solid with it. I think. I think Madonna. I don't remember Madonna, Madonna dropping it that often. Um, but they were kind of weighted at the base. Oh, okay. Um, so they. They wasn't like just. They wouldn't just fly around. You know, haphazardly. Um, but you know. Can you imagine trying to be that elegant and that, that fabulous and fantastic and then you just drop your fan? <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, uh, we have all been... Ruin your career. <laughs> we have all been in that music video or movie or whatever shoot it is where you have a prop and one person always drops it. <laughs> oh my God. And this is the whole thing. I mean, case in point, did you ever see Captain EO with Michael Jackson? Yeah, of course. I mean... It's not a prop difficulty, but I think it was um, Rocker or somebody who literally everybody goes down to the ground and one guy goes up. <laughs> but it was the one take where everybody did it right except him and they took that take. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you brought him up because it was going to be my next transition out of Madonna. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Hold on. I'm going to come to him. I'm going to come back to him in a second. So fast forward before we go back in 2015, a one, was it 2000? No, it couldn't have been seven years ago. Was it five? Maybe 2017. Strike a pose. When did that come out? 2015. It was but, not. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It was our first, the first time it aired, the first time it ever like was presented was 2015, which was at the Berlinale at, um, Berlinale at, um, in Berlin. And so it didn't really make its way to Netflix and all those other places until probably 2017. Okay. I was like, bruh, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know damn well I don't have this clear of a memory from 2015. I know my memory's crazy. But <laughs> so in uh, uh, 
uh, Kevin, Lewis, and Jose, and who is the fourth? Salim and Salim Oliver. And Oliver. Uh, the famous Madonna dancers from the Blonde Vision Tour did a pretty much a reunion docu- documentary. You, uh, you guys haven't seen each other in a long time. Many of you haven't seen each other in a long time. What was what was that like? How was that experience? Um, well, it was it was scary at first because you know all these years we've had so many we've been approached by so many people and usually it's something sensationalist and very mm-hmm. exploitative and it's always about her and who are you in relation to her mm-hmm. to Madonna and it was it was nerve wracking in the beginning to kind of just be trusting completely trusting mm-hmm. after so many years um, so you never know you know you've seen we've all seen these documentaries where they go in with the best of intentions and they come out the other side as this crazy exploitative yep. thing so uh it took some doing to convince everybody to join in i know in fact you know when the directors were in new york waiting to uh interview lewis and jose they just had to fly on faith that that they would answer the phone Mm. Uh, because they didn't until literally the day before or the day of their interview. And they're like, okay, I'll do it. I know for me, I had to call Lewis like directly to tell him, answer their goddamn calls. (laughs) 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 They're really, they're really nice people. Answer the phone. But that's just, I mean, the hesitancy after all these years of of kind of of rehashing it. And we've all been through so much, you know, Mm -hmm. in between and, you know, lived our own lives. I think we we had sort of put it in the background. I really hadn't talked about it at all until that point. And um, it was uh, eye-opening, I think, how much we really mean to each other and meant to each other and how much we really held that time of our lives, you know, on a pedestal and and gave it so much weight. And it really changed the course of all our lives. Yeah. Um, to see each other again in that... In, they brought us... Well, not spoiler alert. <laughs> they bring us all. They bring us all together again at the end of the movie, and it's the first time that we've really seen each other since since leaving the tour. Honestly, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen Jose and Salim since nineteen ninety one. Wow! So I think I saw Salim maybe in a club in ninety four or three, like in the back. In the, but like that's just like briefly just dancing by a speaker. That's the only like interaction that I had with them. And it wasn't until I saw them in person when I realized, like, wow, I, I really, I really do love these guys, and you know, it's weird not having them in my life. Um, and even now, it's weird not having them in my life. And there's definitely a lot of tension between us, <laughs> um, you know. But that that will never change. I mean, how much I care for them. You know? Right. Cute. Um, after, after, after the reunion with the documentary, has there been any follow up contact with, between you guys or? There was for quite a while. I mean, we toured with that movie, like doing appearances all over the place for for a good three, honestly, almost four years, mm-hmm. um, all over the world. I mean, you, I know here in America, maybe oh, I was here for a week and it was there for a week, but we, I did fifty seven cities what? in in like in like eighteen, nineteen, twenty different countries. Yeah, it was wow. it was a lot. Like, uh, I mean, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity and availability to do that because yeah. I don't. Not not all of us had the time and availability to go travel the world like randomly because it's not paid. You know, you get right. you know you get you get flown over, but you know, I just knew there's only going to be one opportunity like that mm-hmm. because I've been on these movies before where you know you have a press moment, a press tour, you run around and then it's done. Right. Like you're done, done. And for some reason, this sort of press tour with Strike Pose kept going on for years. Um, and I didn't really have a steady job sitting around at home. And the jobs I did, I could work around. So I took advantage of it and really just like took it all in. I, it, I'm glad I did because seeing the response around the world of how our work and Madonna's tour impacted the lives of so many of all genders, races, sexualities, mm-hmm. the entire queer spectrum, um, it really gave me peace around my life, my career the impact that that I've had um, and that we've had as a team, um, it made me feel more socially outspoken. Um, I definitely understand the value of speaking your truth and speaking up. Um, and I've understood. I understand Madonna in a way that I don't think I ever did before. Mm-hmm. 
in looking at the impact that she's had in all these lives and that we've had in all these lives and that her choices in choosing us has had in all these lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gave me a, it gave me a lot more respect for, for her, but it's, it's a very complex situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, after all these years, knowing, yeah. you know, that Gabriel, Gabriel is no longer with us and mm-hmm. our lawsuit and everything that happened with that. Um, but in the end, all that's left is love. <laughs> all you need is love. You know, love is all, all you need. need is love. <laughs> all you need is love. All that's left is, and peace. I think it gave such closure, I think, to all of us about that era of our lives, being able to speak our stories. Yeah. and share who we are, what's happened to us, even even briefly. I mean, it's just the tip of the iceberg because we really have, you know, we each have entirely full, rich lives to share. Yeah. I think in that movie, even though it's about us, it's like, you know, we got like, here's 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Eight minutes, I think, max of each of us, you know. Right. So right after Madonna, well, not right after, but... In 91, you became the associate choreographer for another icon of the industry, the one and only, God rest his soul, Mr. Michael Jackson. Yes, Michael, 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 Michael. Thank you, Vincent Patterson, for believing in me always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was a little, I was blown away, you know, and I, again, I just, I marvel at how fortunate I've been in my life and my career. I mean, Committed, yes, and mm-hmm. work hardworking, but but also so very fortunate because you know I've had to fight for jobs, but a lot of these jobs I haven't because people believe in me and they know they want me on it, and so I've been given a lot of these jobs, and that was one of them. Working with Michael as as Vince's associate choreographer, I was literally handed the gig and asked to come in, and just me and Vince and Michael. <laughs> how <laughs> amazing! How? Like how how how. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, Vince, Vince was, he wasn't forced to work with me, but I was already on Madonna's gig when he came in to do the choreography. So I was, mm-hmm. I was handed that role and he accepted me. And, uh, I know doing, <laughs> once I got in the job with Michael, but I was also on camera. I know Vince had a moment. I think he had said something like, Oh, I don't know if I can ever have another assistant in the, in the piece and as my assistant at the same time. Not because I did anything wrong, but because I'm in, I'm, I was in the choreography and I couldn't clean the dancers uh, while I'm doing it. Yes, the the struggle so I, of being yeah. a for doing your own work, right? Yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't see next to me if, that their arms were going up and over their head, but I was going down below and going up. Like I couldn't see who was doing what, and so I know he noticed the cleaning things, and he's like, "Oh, I don't think I can do that again." And which was, was this black or white or was this before black or white? Oh, this is, this is for black or white. Yeah. The very first job I did with Michael was black or white. And, uh, it was a very interesting process right up at the top of the, of the, of the rehearsal period. Um, Vince explained to me that, uh, initially the concept was to have all these different nationalities and, and styles come and do their dance. And then Michael comes in and then everyone starts dancing like Michael. Mm-hmm. And Vince very appropriately brought up that, well, that doesn't really give any weight or value to all these incredible ethnic dances and, and styles that have lives and cultures of their own That's that has absolutely has value of its own. So the more, uh, more respectful thing to do would be to have Michael come in and do their dances. Nice. So that's what, yeah, so that's what, that's what our rehearsal period was, which was, I think, uh, new for Michael was stepping outside of his comfort zone and his natural style to join in with an Indian style or, mm-hmm. or, or a, a vague, a Cossack, you know, that was, I think that was yeah. challenging for him because these are, these are not easy styles. Um, but we had a really fun, uh, really fun rehearsal period, bringing in these real, real dancers who actually really do these styles and, um, and carving out bits with them. And that, that, again, talk about iconic, just like that MTV uh, award show with, with Madonna, that black or white video. Again, if you don't know black or white video by Michael Jackson, you're living under a freaking rock. Go educate yourself. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm short, just... film. Short, short film. Short, <laughs> short film. Short film. He never, Actually, he, never men- he never mentions them as music videos. They're, they're short films. 
because they because they always were they were always like seven to ten minutes long yeah they continue on they have they have narrative they have pieces before pieces after sometimes they're part of an expanded narrative well Um, you look at you look at criminal that was part of the entire movie like it wasn't because what uh the what's this what's the song with the clay with the claymation rabbit in it on the motorcycle oh speed demon speed demon like no one oh realizes God. that that's, that's connected to Sweet <laughs> Criminal. Like that's like that's right in line with as soon as he like gets like it's so. Michael has always yeah. been such an innovator with that. You even look at Thriller, how that was a mini movie. Like it's he cre- he created the video EPs. I'm sorry, all these artists are like oh I'm doing a video EP. Oh, I think that's a long time ago, y'all. You just you just, you just go through the playbook. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he, I think he saw the idea of a music video as being sort of reductive and and like less than the potential that it was and um his attention was always on more and more and more not in a sense of maximalism but in a sense of what can we do that hasn't been done mm-hmm. what haven't we seen what can i do that no one else can do so his attention was always always on that nice and in the beginning of black or white we actually shot the entire video against a gray backdrop um, kind of like, uh, is it Irving Penn? Maybe I think it's Irving Penn who did, he went around and shot all of these, um, like Maasai tribes and, mm-hmm. and American Indian tribes again, like in their full regalia or as they are, uh, against a gray backdrop to show kind of this, this, the beautiful character that these people had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was the initial concept. And when we shot the entire video, we did it again in a big soundstage against gray. But then when we actually looked at the footage, it ended up looking like, well, we didn't have enough money to get a set. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of looked really minimalist, like too minimalist, like no money minimalist. Um, And so we actually went back and reshot the entire video, everything. Wow. Um, And you can see, you can see the original gray set, I think in the very top with the, like the Thai dancers, I think it still exists there, but just know the whole video is shot like that. Wow. And then we went back and did extra, extra shoots uh, and added more and added more and added they went you know the indian stuff out in the out in the desert yeah and then the animorphs yeah. at the end are also on the gray background well the animorphs like that was a brand new technology like it had never been done before i remember he was so excited like showing it like blah, 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 whatever i mean i and i'd never seen it and, and looking at the the renditions in process and it was like it wasn't completely finished when when we, when we saw it it was like what is going on what am i looking at it was, it was hard <laughs> to even Kind of, kind of conceive as as you're looking at the the, the pictures starting to become each other, and it, it really like opened my eyes to the potential of you know computer graphics, CGI, and and where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the point. I mean, that's that's what Michael was so excited by, and the fact that he could bring the things that turned him on and excited him and inspired him into his work. Um, I think that's that's really what an artist is all about. Being an artist is all about. What else? Did, so you did Captain EO with him. You did Black or White with him. Did, did, Didn't do Captain EO. That was a little before my time. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, because actually Pop and Pete was in Captain EO. Right. At this point, <laughs> let, me just re, let me just repeat. You're 22 at this time working with Michael. 22, 23. 21. 20, 20. 21. <laughs> straight out of Madonna. I went into, I did a video for Black Pearl. I did some TV stuff. I did Gloria Stefan. I won Star Surge and then right into Michael. Okay. Hold on. You like, <laughs> I did this, 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 and this, and this, and then this, and this, and then Michael. And I'm only 22. Hold on back up. So I knew you were on Star Search, but I thought it was after Michael. Who was who was in the group with you? Because there was a couple friends of ours that were. Yes, it was uh, Raj Kapoor, who is the most amazing producer, like an incredible entertainment company that does, you know, Adele's concerts and mm-hmm. all the award shows. He's just he's killing it. Um, and uh, Brian Baldwin uh, and Dominic Lucero, who did yeah. Newsies with me, and um, also Gloria Stefan, and he was like Paul Abdul's right hand man for many many years, yes, and also was. was with Michael Jackson and the Bad Tour. Nice. Yeah. What was uh, so for those that don't know, you're probably this was probably before you were born, but Star Search was the original talent show in the U.S. hosted by oh, what's his name with the glasses. Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, yes, who also <laughs> was the publishing clearinghouse sweepstakes. Did anyone ever really win That's those? Right. Were those anyway? Uh, 
Ed McMahon and it was a celebrity panel. And then like they had like a lot of comedians, you know, nowadays got their start from there. A lot of singers, Mm -hmm. a lot of dancers, uh, some other of our dancer friends that were on it. Uh, uh, Chris Dupre was on it. Uh, I think Britney, Britney was on it. I think even Christina was on it. That's how, that's actually how Um, they got to the Mickey Mouse club. So you are not wrong with that. Uh, (laughs) and there were celebrity judges and everything. And you, uh, they judge you from one to four and then they averaged them out. And then at the end, and then you kept going on. So Mr. Stay here being the young juvenile talent that he was that remember he started taking dance as an elective when he got to USC (laughs) After doing gymnastics as a kid and being the Afro white uh, Jesus, is <laughs> winning conversations and stuff. Oh, you thought I forgot about that, right? Uh, so, what did you do for Gloria Estefan? If you don't know who Gloria Estefan is, um, people, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> we worked with. Uh, I was working with Kenny Ortega, and we're like, Kenny. I mean, it was a cast of like twenty, at least twenty dancers. We're all climbing around on cages. It was for um, she had she had just broken her back like <gasps> the year the year before, and right before um, out of the she was it was her come yeah it was her comeback coming out of the dark and uh, seal our fate. Mm-hmm. And so we're all writhing around on oversized fences and lots of cute boys and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she actually offered us the tour. Um, from once, once we were done with the video, we, then we won star search 10 episodes as grand champions. And then she offered us the tour as all four of us. What? Um, and we actually, I know we actually turned it down because, uh, we wanted to stay in town and we wanted to do some music because one of the songs we did for star search was our own song. And, uh, and we had some like negotiations and stuff with Capitol records, et cetera. And then Brian went off and took the tour and we all stayed. <laughs> We're like, <"Rats!"> <laughs> but it was okay. Cause we, we stayed and we did, we, we, we were working on, um, on news. So we, we stuck around and did newsies and he went on tour. And yeah, that was that. Uh-huh. So actually I was going to act, try and bring that up next. So what, so what else did you do with Michael? Uh, we did, uh, see, I did, not long after that, I did the MTV 10th anniversary uh, special with Slash, and uh, it was like a bunch of performers. Uh, we shot in a in a one of those airport hangars down in Santa Monica Airport. We had like kind of a captive audience that was, I mean, I, I would have been so fortunate to have been one of the audience members. It was like full spectacle. Yeah. Vince brought in full choirs, I mean, fake choirs but like full like cast of thousands we had like the, this children's choir like an adult and like old people and we're all they're all on like rising risers that are on hydraulics and we had a, a flying angel come down you know with, with golden wings and a little child signing the, the words of the song and you know we're bring, beating up cars and it was just <laughs> it was it was wild um and uh, we did Black or White live, and then we did uh, Will You Be There? Nice. And I think that Will You Be There performance is one of my very favorite performances I've ever done. It was just so beautiful and so touching and so unlike anything anyone had ever seen, had ever seen. and certainly not something that people would spend that kind of money on now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful song, a beautiful sentiment, and uh, I think one of, one of his most beautiful performances touching performances you know nice oh and then later on many years later did uh blood on the dance floor aha that was part yeah, of history that was the, right that was part of history and that was one of his um that was the day his child was being born his first first child nice because he had to run he's like he's all nervous and all <laughs> he's like i gotta go and i'm like well, like wait before you go let's take a picture he's like oh god okay take a picture. <laughs> and he runs off and then and then after, after he leaves we're like oh it's so so nervous about taking a picture. <laughs> I've never seen Michael get nervous about taking a picture. And they're like, and they're like, no, he's not nervous about taking a picture. His son is being born right now. Like literally right now. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. Oh, uh, he, you, you have had a fucking great life, bro. <laughs> so after well not after michael but just in my timeline how i know it happens then you then you book the disney movie newsies right after 
Yes. Yeah. Then I, yeah. Then we did Newsy. We did we did worked on Newsies for like five months. Uh, we had maybe more even. I mean, Kenny. Kenny is so fun to work with, honestly, because he has such respect for sort of the history of dance, and he does his research about what's effective. How do we want this to be? Like that's why he's such he's he's such a successful director. Um, we we went into a, a, a long workshop period. It had to be like six weeks or something, um, where we we took vocal lessons. We had stunt training. Uh, we had sort of mock-ups of of streets inside a soundstage, and we would run around and 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 make these paths and play with what's possible. We had props around us. Um, we had lots and lots of talks about getting into character, what that era was like, how they spoke how they moved, what things are modern. Um, they would call us out a lot. So there were, there were, a, there was a core group of like 10 of us. And then later on, they brought in another like 40, 40 dancers on top. Mm. So it was uh, yeah, super fun experience. We were like in basically summer camp all summer on the universal back lot. Nice. The, uh, I talked to Tony Gonzalez, Tony G. He was. Oh awesome. my gosh! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's so, there's so many classic, not classic dancers, but there's so many of you guys that are there that you don't realize because you're so fucking young at the time. So young, like Brian Friedman. Seeing him at twelve, it was like his first job. Oh, <laughs> what? Not his first. I feel like he did like Kids Incorporated maybe before that, but he was still like already doing eight turns and spinning around and just. Up in our faces all the time. Yep, that was Brian. <laughs> yeah, that was Brian. We had Noah Hathaway, who was a, a Treyu on on Neverending Never Story, Never Story as a dancer. <laughs> people don't yeah, realize that you know we our industry, our people have set the bar in more ways than one than people realize. Like we are not just dancers behind so many people. Uh, Jada Pinkett was a dancer. Jasmine Guy was a dancer. Yeah. Like, yes. J Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Right. Like, listen, uh -huh. y'all gonna recognize who dancers are and stop asking. Yeah. So when are you going to get a real job? Assholes. Anyway. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now I want you to just name drop. What, what are some, what is a lot through these years? So now we're in like what? 92, 93. We're in 91 during the shooting. Okay. Yeah. Name drop, just drop, uh, movies. Oh, uh, Newsies, Goldmember, Charlie's Angels, The Tempest, Naked Boy Singing, uh, <laughs> Birdcage, The Birdcage, uh, Starskin, Starskin Hutch, uh, Country Bears, <laughs> 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 um, uh, okay. 30 Going on 30, thir 13 Going on 30. Um, okay, music videos. Yeah. Uh, David Bowie, Good Night, Miracle, Good Night, uh, Celine Dion, uh, one was it one? I don't even remember the name of the song. Um, <laughs> Janet Jackson, if uh, um, uh, Lady Gaga, Poker Face, um, okay. Carmen Electra, Go Go Dancer, Friends, <laughs> <laughs> and Dorbin Machine, um, George Michael, Too Funky. Good lord. Um, okay. Uh, commercials. Commercials. Uh, 12 commercials for Gap and Old Navy, 15. 15 to 16 commercials for Pepsi uh, with Aretha Franklin and various others, uh, Britney Spears. Um, I uh, Sprint, GE, Carnival Cruise Lines, TV McDonald's. Shows. Uh, <laughs> TV shows. Um, uh, Fuller, Fuller House, Lucifer, um, Whole High, uh, TV shows. Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, Agents of Shield. I love Agents of Shield. Sorry, anyway, sorry. Starting <laughs> out. Um, uh, Saved by the Bell. Um, oh my God! Wait, what? Bones. Bones. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Um, Slow down. Hold up. Hold up. Pause. Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Saved by the Bell. What episode were you on? On Saved by the Bell. Um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was a dance battle. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> with with Rain, with Rain and and Michael Dilo. Um, they were. Uh, Oh, wait, it wasn't Saved by the Bell, was it? Oh, maybe it was. Is it? Rain Pryor. Wait, no, Saved by the Bell is the, Saved by, wait, Saved by the Bell is the one with the class. 
Ending head of the class. Sorry, my son's favorite of all. Head of the class. Okay. Head of the class with Zito and Rain. Yeah. And it was my first TV show ever. And it was, um, uh, uh, it, I was, it, it got me my SAG card. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Michael Peters choreographing. And I remember doing the combination with him and, and he was, he looked at me like I was, like I was doing it wrong. And I was like, Oh, what am I doing wrong? He's like, no, you're doing it too good. You need to be worse because <laughs> you have to lose the dance battle. <laughs> <laughs> you have to lose the dance battle. Um, nice. Yeah. Okay. A, I just, a zillion awards though. Yeah. But so, so, so that's the thing. Like, there's no way in hell I could possibly get these people to understand everything because I, I introduced you as a legend, a timeless person of the industry. Like, and you just recently was it last year you got the lifetime achievement from the choreography. It was this year actually. It was in July or end of July, I believe. A lifetime Career Achievement Award uh, from Choreographers Carnival, which is just lovely and so sweet that they they chose to acknowledge me like that. Um, it really had me review my life and go, oh wow, okay, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I've, I've really lived uh, like a few lifetimes in this dance community, and it's it was weird to look back and see all of it in one space and try to like condense it all. Um, but like even I don't, I'm starting to forget all the jobs that I've done. Thank God I have most of them written down or <laughs> copies of them. Well, you have a resume. <laughs> Cause there's a few things that people show up and I'm that, like th- throw to me and I'm like, oh, I forgot I even did that. Or I was in a different country then, or like, Oh, we only did that for a day. There's one job with Madonna, like the day after the MTV music awards with Vogue that mm-hmm. we all did a benefit at some theater and not one of us remembers. <laughs> How did it not come up? One of us, some, some, some reporter brought it, brought it up in an interview and we were all, we're all sitting there, we all look at each other like, are you out of your mind? Like, that's ridiculous. That didn't happen. Are you talking? No. Stop. <laughs> and we thought he was joking. We thought he was joking. And then he like showed us like an article about it. And we were like, no, who are they? And, like showed us a picture of us sort of in the distance. And I was like, oh no, that has to be somebody else that recreated it. Who did that? Like literally even looking at a picture of it, I was like, that's not us. And same, so was everyone else. It was like, we don't remember this at all. None of us. The only person that remembers is is Vince. Wow. And even that is suspect because I feel like he has an article on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think he was the one that like suggested that we do this this benefit the next day. So he probably has more of a memory than we do. But yeah. Talk about a blur. That when you're legendary, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say well, about that. But, I mean, like you, you asking me those questions, I'm like, name this. I'm like, uh, I didn't like it. It really is a blur. Like, I'm like, what did I do last year? I don't know. What did I do yesterday? No. Okay. Well, let's, well, let's talk about, so this project is actually not recent, but it's still been, so you're not only a dancer. You mentioned that you were, that you and the guys had a singing group already, but you're also an artist yourself known as Rogue Romeo, that Rogue Romeo. Yes. Yes. I go by that Rogue Romeo. Um, I haven't put out some music for a while, but uh, you know, I initially got interested through doing those vocal lessons with Newsies, and then working with the our, our group in Star Search, New World, and doing these. I mean, our our connections with Capitol Records could have easily put me off singing forever. Not that Capitol Records was bad; they weren't. But um, I didn't realize that they expected us to be writing these songs. I thought they were just going to hand us songs, and I had certainly not been working or developing any kind of sensibility of who I want to be as a songwriter or mm. what I want to say. Um, but it, it piqued my interest. So when I got to Italy and I was doing television in Italy, um, and everyone there was, spoke Italian, but they were, they wanted us to sing in English. So they always leaned on me to sing in English. Um, then I was like, oh, I'm singing on TV. I'm, I get to record. I love being in the studio. And I was like, this is amazing. Our producer of the TV show then gave me and Luca Tomasini, uh, a recording contract. Um, we didn't. We we actually sang a lot of songs. I could probably share them with you. Oh, <laughs> I have hey, a few of them here. I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> They're not so bad, actually. I was like, I sent them all to Luca not long ago because he doesn't have any copies, and I found some. Um, they're not bad. He's like, should we should we should we put out an album? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're hysterical and old and early '90s, but. Um, it, we had a really great time, and eventually, I just realized, well. They, they gave me fake songs and I had to write English lyrics on top of sort of their melodies. Mm-hmm. And I realized how fun that was and how much I really, really enjoyed expressing myself that way. So years later, after I'd long told myself I'm way too old to be doing this, um, I discovered like, you know what, if I don't 
do some music and say what I need to say, it will be my life's biggest regret. Mm. And, and so I just did it regardless, you know, not thinking about what it, what it was meant to become, or it's not about success. It's not about money, literally about expression. Uh, and I said what I needed to say in those certain, in those moments are all very personal songs. And I realized, uh, it freed me to move forward in my life. It freed me from these communications that were sitting in my head on my body uh, until I could actually take it off and give it out. Mm -hmm. And once they were off of me and out of me, it was this new sense of freedom to expand and evolve and, and become something more than I was before those songs. Um, So I looked at it certainly as therapy (laughs) and, um, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to doing more. I have a couple other projects I'm trying to get out of my, again, off my shoulders, out of my system, through my, through my process uh, before going back into music. Because I know that I'm never too old to, to express and to do and create and be who I want to be and do what I want to do. And neither are you. So keep listening to your heart and don't stop yourself because we are the ones that stop ourselves most of the time. Drop the mic. <laughs> that is <laughs> the, the only expiration in time that you have is the time that you gave yourself to expire. Like, there's, and you know, as dancers, like, oh, so how long do you think you'll be doing that? Like, what are you going to do after? It's like, mm, I don't. This is me. Right. This is like, me. Dance me to my own drum. Well, you know, you don't ask like actors how long you plan on doing this. You don't ask singers how long you plan on doing this. You don't ask painters how long you'll be doing this. Even though what we do is, I don't want to say more physical, but like we are physical dancers, but I think it also comes from the mentality of like ballet dancers are thrown through the ringer with their bodies, like from age of three, like their bone structure is just like, Ooh, you are fragile by the time you're 22. You don't have longevity, but we are athletes, dude. We, we train, we practice, we build our bodies. This is our tool. So we have to take care of that. And as long as I'm healthy, as long as I'm feeling good, that's how long I'm going to be doing it. You don't have an expiration date. I mean, I can certainly feel my body falling apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely, you know, real world body issues that come mm-hmm. up from doing what we do. And also from sort of abusing our bodies the way we do. When we act, right. when I perform, there's, I feel no pain. I will do whatever it takes to get the show done, to mm-hmm. do my job, to do it great. Um, and I let, I, I let go of my limitations and that's a beautiful thing, but sometimes it's also gets me in trouble with my body. Obviously, as I can tell many years later, mm-hmm. you know, I have arthritis in my lower back and it's bone on bone and something's really hurt. And my knees are swelling up and all this stuff, but you know what? Absolutely worth it. <laughs> but I, have limitations, I have limitations on maybe, you know, perhaps, you know, the, the scale of the things that I could, can do with my body. Um, and anyone who is working with their body or an athlete in general, I would definitely say really focus early on on maintenance and upkeep. I've been focusing enough on that that I haven't need like needed like knee replacements or anything like that. And my hip replacement is from a motorcycle accident, not from dance. Uh, my doctor actually told me that if I hadn't been dancing because of the deformation on my hip as a pistol grip formation, I would have needed hip replacements in my twenties. Well, if I if I hadn't if I hadn't been dancing because the muscles have then kept my hips in place all these years. Well, let's let's rewind to when you were twelve at gymnastics, and the doctor told mm-hmm. you if you didn't stop, you would never walk again. Yes, because of the impact on your knees. Yes, yes. So yes. that is a very special circle. <laughs> it's an inter- interesting balance, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I could have just stopped doing it altogether and stopped doing gymnastics and all that kind of stuff, and then I would have needed hip replacements. Mm-hmm. But because I, I stopped long enough that my knees kind of settled and then started doing dance with the awareness that my knees were, were could have a problem. So I actually took it easy on my knees all these years. Um, because of that awareness, it's kept me out of knee replacements and knee issues and things like that. Um, and then I've taken you know the benefit of not having to replace my hips early on. Mm-hmm. And not through dance. Thankfully. It was from a motorcycle accident. And, 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 not, and not through dance. Yeah. I'm... I'm I'm so aware now too that like, you know, I, I used to not stretch because I would hyperextend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to get out of that habit of not stretching, you know, cause now I do need to stretch yeah. <laughs> and now I do, I do need some consistency. You know, and my, my re- resolution this upcoming year is, you know, 
I've embraced not knowing what's coming day by day. I've embraced Mm -hmm. not knowing the future. I've embraced unpredictability in a really beautiful, peaceful way. But at the same time, I've really gotten really clear that I would like to attempt to really make a real schedule for myself and just, you know, it's a a suggested schedule, Mm -hmm. but you know, one that can alter jobs, come on, but that sort of thing. But I would really, I'm going to really try this year to actively participate in the things that I want out of my life. And to do that, I need, I would like to set set time aside daily, specific times daily to do those things. Um, Because now that I've embraced unpredictability in all its forms, I'm realizing, oh, some predictability is helpful to accomplishing the goals and, and, you know, things that I would like out of life and my body. I'm realizing that I can't just, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, I need to be in shape in three days. Okay, hi-ya, workout, hi <laughs> Now here I am, snatched, five pounds lighter. And it's like, oh, no, it doesn't happen like that at this age. <laughs> Consist- cons- <laughs> consistency and schedule um, is going to be my, my, my resolution for this. And respecting your instrument. Respecting my instrument, instrument, and celebrating it, and mm-hmm. giving myself grace, and and appreciating and loving my body and myself nice. even more. So, speaking of loving your body and yourself even more, and getting into the creative writing, I know you've been working on a memoir as well. I have. I I I kind of put that aside for the moment, just because I started getting into all these weird issues with rights in terms of having people sign off and stuff because mm-hmm. anyone you mention has to basically say it's okay to say it to, to you know, or you could open yourself to to libel or other mm-hmm. lawsuits um i mean thankfully i'm not like i'm not saying anything that's not real so you know i don't think i'm getting in trouble that way but it it, it was enough of a of a wrench in my work that i was like mm, i have to uh rethink the timing of of when i release that and how that comes out and what i say exactly you know some people, I mean, there were a couple of people that I reached out to that, you know, I was like, oh, that's a really fun story. Can I share that? And they're like, no. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't have any issue with it, but I guess maybe if you or your team does, then, well, you're, then I guess you'd fight me on that if I said something. Right. So, yeah, I just noticed that there's definitely more concerns from other people than me. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, you tell, can you tell us a little bit about the title or what it's about? Or like, is it is it an uh, auto well, is it an autobiography? Is it a memoir from like your upper like? What's it about? Well, I'm trying to make it. <laughs> um, it's it's anecdotes and stories uh, of my life. You know, basically framing from I mean, obviously from when I was young. Mm-hmm. through to strike a pose because that was kind of that was kind of the moment that book ended again like i said it really gave me some resolution around um around my career and impact and and you know not like it's a closing chapter but it's certainly um who has the opportunity and the chance to have their life documented mm-hmm. 20 30 years apart <laughs> right. in, in, in on film and to have that record of yourself and and see yourself in in a very you know, objective way. Um, yeah, it really just, it, it was more, it's more about the, my life in dance and mm-hmm. the art of dance and bringing art to a commercial world. Um, Cause art really is a personal choice of how you approach something. Right. It's not, it's not anyone's right to declare art except yourself. If you declare it an art, it is. Um, Especially your art. Especially my art, in, in so many ways, it's 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 an art, it's a craft, it's a business, it's mm-hmm. a sport. I mean, and there's not much that is all of that, um, but dance is, yeah. And that's the opportunity that dance is, because I always tell everybody, and maybe I mentioned this before, like dance is life, and life is dance, and the way we approach dance is a, and the way we approach life are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, it's it's the greatest training ever. I mean, you you have to let go. You can focus on ego, but in training, you have to let go of ego. You have to have respect. You have to have dedication. You have to you have to work hard, very hard. You have to work through pain. You come out the other side, and you are free. You disappear into your work. You you get to celebrate. You you surround yourself with friends. You work as a team. You support each other. You I mean, it's dance is life. Life is dance. Yeah. It's 
a hundred percent uh how i uh how i work how i walk through life mm-hmm. you know i see the two as the same you know and it's great if you if you take any dance class and then if you listen in the background and just say it in your head just like life <laughs> if, you, if you if you listen to anything they say and then move this way but move with work move the power i want to see you hit that really hard but then but then relax just you like say in your head just like life <laughs> just like life i like it then your dance class your dance class becomes therapy i swear to god try it <laughs> i like it i like it a lot do you think uh in the next coming years you might reapproach the memoir Absolutely. Um, I have a I have uh, a film that I shot with my father as a documentary um, like six years ago that mm-hmm. uh, I'm that I'm currently working on to complete. And I have um, I'm in the process of, of scouting an editor right now. So my my footage from one scene is actually in a boot camp, an editing boot camp right now, um, so that I can lock down uh, an editor that understands my vision and, and that I can work with uh, to really knock it out this year like i it's so important to me um i just wasn't solid in myself editing it as well as being in it as well as sort of producing it and sort of directing it i was like that's too many voices i don't want this right. to be propaganda so and i need to work with somebody that has more vision than i in that realm because i i do have vision but i know i know there are people out there that that are more adept at this than me just like even as even with choreography, I could choreograph something, but I know there's also choreographers who are more adept in certain areas than me. Um, same with dance. So but, I always want to rely on the best of the best. But you know, that's also why you always have to have a team with you because no matter how great of an artist or an artistic visionary you are, you do need help to bring your vision to life. You can't do everything by yourself. It's again being the choreographer, being in your piece. You can't see what needs to be cleaned. You can't see what works and what doesn't work. You can only have that mentality of, this is what I want to happen. Why aren't you guys making it work? And they're like, because it doesn't fucking work. But like, you can't see it because you're in it with us, but you should realize that it's not working. (laughs) So change it. Or, you know, even as a director, you know, you have your DP of photography who helps, who helps get your frame in there. Like, Hey, we need to think about this lighting, this angle here, but I can get this shot for you, but we need to work around this way. So it's having being at the point where you're looking for an editor is not a standstill for you. It's actually a, a platform to project you to the next level for your project. Absolutely. Well, because it also has me, as I search to communicate what I want, has me really dig deep into the message and angle that I want to take. And, and mm-hmm. then, then it really pushes me into the realm of being a director rather than a dancer and choreographer. And dance and choreography ultimately are are arts of communication, not just the form itself communicating to the viewer, but also the artist as a dancer or or choreographer communicating what you're trying to create and what you want and all the different flavors and and colors of what you're trying to create. It's about uh, delegating and and creating those for your team so then they can all execute it. Because like you said, it's not just us by ourselves in a vacuum. It's us communicating what we want to a team and creating that at, at all of its richness uh, to your team and, and creating the projects from there. So yes, as I'm looking for an editor, uh, there's so uh, many nuances that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I want an outside eye to perhaps see things that I don't see, yeah. knowing that I'm also part of the subject of this. Because mm-hmm. nice. I, I, want, I, want I want it to be seen also very... <sighs> in brutal honesty as well, which is mm-hmm. not always what, not always with, you know, looking at myself with rose colored glasses. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes I look at myself a little bit like I'm, you know, better or more evolved than I am. And I would love to have that other view say, you know what, that's, that's awkward. <laughs> and that's not necessarily, <laughs> that's not, that's not empowering. And you're abusing somebody there or whatever that is. Yeah. I, I want to be able to have that, that viewpoint. Nice. Put in my face. Yeah. You know. Because it also helps you grow. 100%. Yeah. So we do have a memoir that we're working on. We have a documentary with your father that you've been working on. But what <laughs> what's next for Mr. Kevin Stay? Is there more? So let me put it this way. So you've been in the industry for a minute. Yes. Is there more dance? Is there more choreography? Is there more writings? Like, where do you see, do you have a vision of your trajectory or? 
<laughs> if there's if there's anything that's been clear about my dance career in my life is that who knows what's next? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. If there's any, literally anything, if there's anything that's constant, it's like, who knows where I'm going to be tomorrow. Um, that said, uh, that's partly why I really, really want to focus on a schedule or like a, some sort of structure this year, because all these projects that I just mentioned to you actually do take time. They do mm-hmm. take uh, men- mental space actually on top of those. Um I don't see any of it as being any different from anything else. So I kind of just go where my instinct tells me mm-hmm. like dance jobs and choreography jobs and creative direction are all sort of sides of the same dice. Mm-hmm. Um, they access the same part of my brain and the same part of my creative spirit. Um, I will say this, that I'm drawn to things I haven't done before. So uh, in that sense, uh, I, I imagine that I will be pushing into realms that are uncomfortable to me because I, I do like those. I do like that, that being on edge, mm-hmm. um, not sure of what the outcome will be. I really, I do enjoy that. Um, I enjoy a challenge. If I, if I, if I didn't, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am, I guess. <laughs> not to mention uh, that you're competitive, yeah, I, so uh, it pushes the challenges. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. Of course, I want to be the best. <laughs> the, instant I, the instant I start, I want to be the best. <laughs> Are there any projects in the next couple months that you're working on? Well, actually, no. I, it's interesting that, um, that you say that because I just, I've been doing the same job, one, one of the same jobs for 10 years, twice. I do this fashion show. Um, and they just, can I say this? I think I can. I'm, I'm no longer with them. Not because I, I got fired or anything, but because mm-hmm. the creative agency I work with, their contract expired and they didn't renew it. So the same job I've had for 10 years is now is no longer mm-hmm. mine, uh, which was like oh so strange. I'm like oh I kind of set aside this time of my year for that, right. and suddenly I'm free and opened up, and I had to step away from feeling like oh boo I've lost I've lost a job because I haven't lost a job no, no, no. it just didn't happen mm-hmm. and it may come back but really what would happen is that now I have the opportunity to focus on these other things that have been in the background that have been sitting on my head just like the album yeah. Uh, that then I can actually focus on. So it's not, I'm looking at it like, oh, I've been given the opportunity to work on my film. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go, there's one more sequence that I would like to do. My last name's Gamble. So I bought a roulette table. Oh my God. (laughs) Each color. It's not a a Russian roulette, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Each color glass is uh, numbered. It's a shot glass. Okay. Uh, each shot glass okay. is numbered, and each number coordinates uh, to a question about okay. something. It's nothing shady or anything. It's just fun, mm-hmm. silly questions. You game for it? Okay. Let's sure. go. Spin the magic ball, spin the magic roulette wheel, and we get to number <laughs> 31. 31. Number 31. Where are you? 31. Okay. What is your best work experience? Best work your experience. Best worst experience. Your best worst. Your best work experience. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many because I I do hold them all. I I kind of not that I force myself to have fun, but I I I don't know. I make jobs fun whether they're fun or not <laughs> through sheer force of will. Okay. Um, I think one of the the first one that came up. I'll just do the first one because mm-hmm. that's. I mean, I was, there's so many, but yeah. the first one that came up was was uh, Sister Act Two. Um, because I felt so appreciated and acknowledged and, and taken care of. And I really look for that in a job. And so when we first we got to the audition, you know, there were, it was a very, very small call. It was Michael Peters and he brought in like, I don't know, 10 of us, I guess. And they were, they were going to cut down to two or something. And uh, we learned the routine and they brought Whoopi in and Michael was like, okay, so, you, you know, choose who you want. And she looks at us and she goes, Y'all are fucking amazing. I love all of you. I'm hiring all of you. And if I have to pay it out of my own paycheck, I will. What? Yeah. What yeah. before so the she did. fucking she hired, win? Yeah. So she was just so loved all of us that she hired all of us. And that's what you see in her her Vegas number in the, in the opening of Sister Act 2 mm-hmm. is everybody. And um, when we were on set, it wasn't like she was standoffish and hiding in her trailer. She would come and tell us stories dirty jokes <laughs> i mean <laughs> i of course just shocked always always covering my mouth and shocked at everything at all times <laughs> um but 
Um, I mean, Lauren Hill was there. She was young, 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 young. Um, We, and she, Whoopi was so sweet that during the shoot, she actually gave each of us uh, a, a Hirschfeld drawing of herself. Like, I don't know if you know Hirschfeld, but yes. he does all the, the covers of New York magazine. Mm-hmm. And he had done a portrait. He'd done a portrait of her, like a limited number of portraits of her, like a line, line drawing of Whoopi. And she gave us all copies of those, like the real ones, not like, not like oh, uh, Xerox, but like the real ones. What? Yeah. Just as a gift for, for making her life fun and having a good time with her. Whoopi, I like to work with you. I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen I haven't seen her again in all these years, and I, I keep waiting for that moment where I get to sort of reunite for a moment and just tell her how much that meant to us and me. Um, again, all these moments that really solidified my love of the industry because the, the the biggest stars in the world were also the ones that were the most kind and generous and and just full of heart and and just gave me family that my work and my community can be family. It can be fun and it can be expressive and you can laugh your life away in this community. Mm-hmm. And I have, that's why I don't want to, I don't stop because my jobs are no longer jobs. They're opportunities for family and yeah. relatedness and making a difference for others, young dancers. Now it's like making a difference for young dancers on these jobs that maybe don't have the experience that I do. Mm-hmm. And I can give them context of like what it means to have a career in this and to have longevity and and what things to value that will give you a better experience in your in your work and in your career and life. Especially as the landscape of what we do has changed so much. Yeah. From the nineties. And to so much comes down to so much comes down to the bottom line now where people don't get as much time, they don't get as much money and mm-hmm. you kind of have to reframe why am I here? And it always comes down to the love of the art. Mm-hmm. Um, it should never come down to ego because that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, certainly not. Ego, fame, and money. Those are, those are your three worst enemies. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Happiness, joy, and expression should be your three. And love. And love. And love. Joy, expression, love. Uh, so Kevy, if people want to follow more adventures of, cause you post a lot of great videos, uh, and work and stuff that like, you always post some classic stuff of what you found. Actually, that's what I'm going to do. So <laughs> I always, I always post, uh, on the Instagram account, a clip of something that we've done. I have from you, I actually have a copy of the will I am video, uh, audition video oh. of us from uh, Hollywood dance studio. So I might post that one yeah. along some other work that we've yeah. done. But uh, if people nice. want to follow along with you, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram. Instagram at Kevin Stay. Uh, I also might I Twitter, but Twitter's so weird right now. I'm I'm that rogue <laughs> Romeo on Twitter. I'm also Kevin Stay on TikTok, but I don't go there very often. I'm trying here and there to post little things, but I do post different things there than I post anywhere else. I'm on Facebook as Kevin Stay and at K Stay. Nice. Boom. Yeah. www.kevinstay.com for my music. Boom, there it is. You have at Kevin Stay on Instagram. You have that Rogue Romeo on Twitter and maybe at Kevin Stay on Twitter if you try and find there. You have at Kevin Stay on TikTok. Is that what you said? Yes. And Kevin Stay on Facebook as well as that Romeo.com for the website. Yes, and if you're not doing already, make sure you follow at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram to stay up to date of all of my guests, what they're doing and the behind the scenes footage and access to what we do here. And of course, if you're not doing already, like and subscribe so you stay up to date of every episode release here with me and my friends and Gamble's Green Room. Kevin, so great to see you, my bruh. You too, sir. <laughs> next time next time I'm home in LA, we have to get, we have to get together again. You know what? One of the last times I saw you was at Gold's Gym, Hollywood, uh, right after you had your hip surgery. And we were in dance class. I forget whose dance class it was, but I was like, didn't you just have you like, yeah, I'm just I'm just using it as a warm up. It's good. I'm getting back into it. I think that I think that was Nico. I think it was Nico's class. Yes, he was Nico Nico's <laughs> class because it was it was a definitely. I was focused on on like okay, don't hurt yourself. Don't you hurt, you've only you replaced your hip a month ago. 
I think it was <laughs> actually, you're in debt. I think it was actually either Iggy Azalea or what's her name? Uh, Ariana Grande. It was one of those two songs. I think I have it on video, actually. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me um, let me do a little dive and see uh-huh. if I can find it. And you're gonna have to release some of those uh, songs. Uh, back. The old old ones. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're horrible. <laughs> they're so fun, but they're great. They're they're great and horrible at the same time. Well, that's why we, that's why the audience <laughs> wants to hear it. Yes. <laughs> Love you so much, my bro. Thank you so much Love for doing too. this. I will talk to you Come soon. On.